Mic check. Mic check. One, two, one, two. Mic check. One, two, one, two. Mic check. Back for another episode. A taste to consider podcast. Yes. Let's go. Standing at the world through my rear view. Just looking back at the world. Taste to consider podcast. Let's go. Say sick and sit up Back for another episode. Staring at the world through my rear view. I'm seeing nothing but my dreams coming true. While I'm staring at the world through my rear view. They got me staring at the world through my rear view. Go and baby scream to God. He can't hear you. I can feel your heart beating fast. Cause it's time to die. Getting high, watch the time fly. It's all my motherfuckers staring at the world. Say sick and sit up podcast. To the To the podcast, back for another episode. Yeah, once a motherfucker get an understanding on the game and what the levels of the review game is, then the world ain't no trick no more. The world is a game to be played. So now we looking at world from like 
be kind us. Niggas know what we gotta do. We just gotta put our mind to it and do it. It's all about the papers. Money rule the world. Bitches make the world go round. Real niggas do what they wanna do. Bitch niggas do what they do. Staring at the world through my rear view. Do it, baby. Scream to God. He can't hear you. I can feel your heart beating fast. Guess it's time to die. Getting high, watching time fly. Staring at the world through my rear view. Do it, baby. Scream to God. He can't hear you. I can feel your heart beating fast. Guess it's time to die. Getting high, watching time fly. And we'll be staring at the world through my rear view. Say you sick and sit a podcast. Time to die. Watch time fly. Staring at the world through my rib. Scream to God, he can hear you. Say you sick and sit a podcast. Yes, indeed. I'm back for another episode. A week late, but I'm back. Either way. <laughs> Say you sick and sit a podcast. Yes. Back for another episode. Yeah, I said a week late because I am a week late. This episode was supposed to have been recorded last week. Of course, I started off with a Pac song. And this episode was supposed to be recorded on Pac's birthday. Because this is, you know what I'm saying, a little short and sweet episode. I guess it's going to be short. But we'll see. But yeah. Just something that I thought I was going to do um, on the anniversary of Pac's birthday. Um, he would have been 52 years old, uh, June 16th. And ironically, ironically, Pac and my mom share the same birthday. They both were born on June 16th. <laughs> so y'all know I talk about... um astrology from time to time on the pod and my mom is a gemini i'm a sagittarius we're complete opposites so yeah (laughs) complete opposites and that definitely speaks to um my dynamic with my mom vice versa and stuff you know but yeah i was supposed to uh, record this episode on june 16th but i didn't um I've been slacking. I know I've been slacking. Like people have been telling me I've been slacking. So yeah, I got, I got, I got to get it together. And I talked about on last uh, pod, and I talked about a few times on uh, other pods on like this year, twenty twenty three. I was going to be um, focusing on my discipline, and uh, I did it the start of June, June first. I did a. I made a 21-day challenge for myself. And in that challenge, I um, that challenge was for me to, for 21 days to work out every day, um, meditate, and read. You know, read, read whatever book I got up in here because <laughs> I got a few books. And um, the 21-day challenge went well. It wasn't perfect, but it went well. And one of the things that I was telling myself during the challenge was to, you know, not strive per, for perfection, so to speak. You know what I'm saying? Um, do what I can and learn whatever lesson I need to learn within that. So I wasn't perfect doing that 21-day challenge. I'm not going to lie to y'all. 
<laughs> I definitely wasn't perfect. But, you know what I'm saying, I miss, I fell short on a couple of days. And when I say a couple, that means a couple. Like two, three days, you know what I'm saying? So two is a couple, three technically is a, above a couple, but we're going to just count it as a couple. So, yeah. But um, I learned some lessons during that 21-day challenge. Um, like, me as a person, I like to go with the flow, but at the same time, I do like things to be structured. But that that is what I wrestle with. So this that 21-day challenge that I put myself through um, pointed that struggle out in a way. And I learned from that. Um, so I will be doing another 21-day challenge in July. I will start July 1st. I'm going to start another 21-day challenge. And I'm going to take some of the lessons that I learned from um, the imperfections of the June 21 day challenge and apply that to the July 21 day challenge. Uh, but yeah, this episode, you know what I'm saying? Um, it is not a lot of topics, anything like that. It's pretty much just one topic. And that one topic is, uh, I rewatch the damn burp. Number one, nine minutes in, Burp number one. Um, this this episode is just me reviewing the Dear Mama docu series that came on FX. It was uh, how many episodes was it? It was uh, I believe it was six episodes. Like the first time I watched it, I just watched it for enjoyment purposes. Um, but this second time when I rewatched it, uh. I took notes. Okay, it was five episodes. Uh, the docu-series, right? I wasn't going to watch it at first because of the, like, I was adamant about not watching the docu-series because of who was directing it and putting producing it and putting it, putting it together. And that was uh, the person who directed it and put it together was Alan Hughes. And if any other Pac fans out there or, or non-haters that know a little bit about Pac's life and his history with the Hughes brothers, they know why I, I didn't want to watch it. I didn't want to watch it because uh, I felt as though that there was ulterior motives behind this docuseries and it was uh, a narrative that was being pushed as well behind the docuseries like since Pac died there's been like multiple documentaries out there and I've seen each and every one of them and uh, my favorite documentary um, about Pac was the resurrection documentary and the reason that that was my favorite documentary because there was really no narratives behind it there was no ulterior motives that documentary was put together as if Pac was speaking himself. And that's why that will always be my favorite Tupac documentary. But this documentary was was good. I admit it was good. But it did have moments in it where a narrative was being pushed and there were 
there was also ulterior motives behind the message of the documentary based on who the director was and who the producer was, which was Alan Hughes. And like I spent a lot of time contemplating whether I was going to watch it. Um, I saw a lot of like commentary on Twitter about it, you know, people saying that they loved it before I actually watched it the first time. And it made me sit back and think like, okay, yeah, I'm going to watch it. I'm going to eventually watch it. But then uh, Alan Hughes went on The Breakfast Club and he did an interview and you you saw like some of the animosity that he still held against uh, Tupac. And so just some backstory on the whole situation between Tupac and Alan Hughes and the Hughes brothers. The Hughes brothers, they originally directed some of Tupac's first music videos like they were cool. And in the midst of of that, you know, that the Hughes brothers, they had an opportunity to make a movie. And that movie that movie was Menace to Society. So the Hughes brothers were having a problem with the networks or the network that they um were producing the movie through uh, of having the actual star to push the movie. So the studio was like, you know, we're not going to green like this movie unless you have an actual star. So who did they go to? They went to Tupac. Tupac said, cool, yeah, I'll help y'all out. You know what I'm saying? And Tupac was originally supposed to play the role of Sharif on Minister Society. And if you've seen Minister Society, you know Sharif was the mu- the Muslim, the Muslim, <laughs> the Muslim kid on Minister Society. His father was um, Charles Dutton. Charles Dutton is the uh, guy who played Rock. He had the show Rock. Um, but Tupac originally had an issue with the um, the character. Because he wanted a backstory to be put in place in the movie of how a kid in South Central L.A. can all of a sudden become a Muslim. And the Hughes brothers didn't necessarily agree with Tupac. And Tupac felt as though, you know, you just can't have a random teenager or, or a young adult or adult but you know what i'm saying younger adult in his te- late teens early 20s be a muslim without having the backstory in that type of environment and along with that tupac had some issues with his maturity and stuff like that so it came to a point where they kicked tupac off the movie and that caused a problem with Tupac. So Tupac and his uh his boys, Entourage, or whatever you want to call it back then, got into a fight with the Hughes brothers. They basically jumped the Hughes brothers. <laughs> um and that basically further pushed the animosity that the Hughes brothers had for Tupac and the quote unquote beef that them 
Pac and the Hughes brothers had between each other. So Menace Society movie was made and, you know, Tupac wasn't in it. And that was basically the gist of it. Like Tupac, he went to trial and he was con- convicted of, um, I don't know exactly what he was convicted of, but I'm sure it was like assault and all that other stuff. And he, he spent like, I think, 90 days in jail for that incident, that fight jump incident with the Hughes brothers. So it seems as though, you know what I'm saying, according to the current interviews with Alan Hughes and some of the narratives and stuff that he was pushing throughout the documentary, that he still had some type of animosity towards Tupac. But Tupac is not here to defend himself, but... He did say later on in one of his last interviews with MTV News that, you know, um, in that moment that he he was immature and that he felt as though that he wished he can reconcile with the Hughes brothers. But he never got a chance to, of course, because, you know, I'm saying he was murdered. And this podcast is just going to be talking about, you know, I'm saying the docuseries It's not me sitting here trying to defend Pac or anything like that. I know some people will think that, but that's not the case. But I'm going to go through and talk about the documentary, Dear Mama documentary, because the documentary was supposed to be based upon Tupac's mother's life. But when I watched the documentary, it seemed that it was more so about Pac. Although they did um, show a lot of parallels between Pac's mom's life and Pac's life. So I'm going to just go through a few things about um, some notes that I took down from the documentary and my thoughts and stuff like that. But the overall, the documentary was good. You know what I'm saying? Outside of the, the narratives and the ulterior motives, the documentary was good. You know, um, I'm at an age now where, like, people talking bad about Pac and stuff like that, that, sh- that stuff don't bother me. I don't go back and forth with people or nothing like that. Um but, you know what I'm saying, we almost, we, we pretty much 30 years in of Pac passing, and it's like, people still have a lot of animosity towards Tupac and the things that he did or said back in that, that time period, which is interesting to me, you know what I'm saying? Um, it's interesting, but I get it because, you know what I'm saying, everybody doesn't, can't get over things some people have a hard time getting over things and you know what i'm saying moving on um but i'm gonna start i'm gonna start with my notes and one of the first things that i wrote down when i was uh right before i rewatched it was that you know what i'm saying black people will build will build another black person up just to tear them down that was one of the first thoughts that i had when i was rewatching the documentary So we're going to start with episode one. Episode one was titled Panther Power. And even though I'm, I'm you know what I'm saying, talking about the doc, docuseries, you know what I'm saying, uh, I'm not giving out, like, no big spoilers. Well, even if I did, like, it's worth watching. Um, so the first episode, like I said, was, in, was titled Panther Power. And um, it started off. It started off talking about uh, the shooting 
of two white off-duty cops harassing a black man. And that incident happened in Atlanta, I think, in 1993. And that's one of the things that is, like, solidified the 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 legend of Tupac. Because um, a lot of people sit back and talk about, you know, like, Pac was just, you know what I'm saying, he was an actor. He wasn't real and all this other stuff. He wasn't gangster and all that other stuff. But... Pac showed plenty of times throughout his life that he was about it. And I'm not sitting here condoning violence or anything like that. But he backed up pretty much everything that he talked about in his music, whether right or wrong. So, like I said, they they talked the the docuseries was is originally about Tupac's mom, Afeni Shakur. And they showed a lot of parallels between uh, her life and Pac's life and how Pac's life was influenced by his mom's life and the surrounding uh, factors, surrounding people, you know what I'm saying, her being affiliated with the Black Panther Party and stuff like that and their relationship overall. So... Just going off of the the notes that I took from the first episode, like um, it was talked about a lot how Pac was raised to protect black people. Um, They did a few interviews with like um, some of his family members, some of his cousins that were around his age and stuff like that. And they were talking about that incident that happened with him shooting those those white dudes. And he didn't know that they was cops at first. He found that out during trial. And these particular people that they were interviewing during the uh, docu-series were with him during that time when he actually shot those white dudes that were harassing the black person. And they were even surprised and shocked during in that actual moment when it happened. They was like, damn, Pac is real. You know what I'm saying? And that's some of the things that That was one of the things that, you know what I'm saying, um, they focused on when they were um, talking about how he was raised to uh, protect black people. And the next thing that I wrote down was that, you know what I'm saying, one of the, the, the biggest arguments when it comes to Tupac is, you know what I'm saying, was he acting or was he for real? You know what I'm saying? A lot of people just always run to narratives instead of actually, you know what I'm saying, learning for themselves. It's easy to be a follower and 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 jump on a narrative because, you know what I'm saying, we see that throughout just not when it comes to Pac. We see that just throughout society and life period. It's easier to follow a narrative as opposed to actually being an individual and being a critical thinker and experiencing something or somebody and having your own opinion about them or whatever you're experiencing. So one of the things that was was talked about was that Pac was wild even before he even became famous. Like even when he was a kid, he was very mischievous. He always questioned things. He always was 
loud. He was always, you know what I'm saying, um, boisterous, going back and forth, debating and stuff like that. That's how he was actually raised. Like his mom raised him to debate. One of his punishments um, as a kid was to read the newspaper and read certain things throughout the newspaper and come back later on and have a debate with his mother. And that's one of the things that they focused on throughout the docuseries. Um, because if you don't know Afeni Shakur's history, she actually defended herself in the trial of the Panther 21. So look all that stuff up. I'm not going to give all the information. You know what I'm saying? Do your Googles. Use your Googles. <laughs> so even before he played his first acting role of Bishop, which everybody... I ain't going to say everybody, which the haters like to harp on. Pac was that before that. Like, they even said the reason they gave him the role, because he wasn't, he didn't even, he wasn't even supposed to try out for the role. Like, he went with somebody else. He actually went, um, he was friends with Tretch from Naughty by Nature and Money B from Digital Underground. They both uh, auditioned for the movie. And he went along with them and he happened to just go ahead and just audition. And they gave the role to him because from what they were saying, he w he embodied Bishop. He was Bishop. Um, As you know, um, well, I'm going to say, as you know, Pac, he went to performance art school and stuff like that. So he was all already, um, Tra train as an actor so to speak um let me i'm looking at my notes yeah it said what i wrote down said he was acting out before juice he was told to audition for juice because he was like bishop one of the other things that i uh i, I wrote down for this first episode um let me see one of the things I definitely uh, loved about the docuseries was the acapella raps that they did throughout the docuseries. Like they started off each episode with uh, acapella rap and they ended it the same way. Like they did it like like I appreciated his rapping skills, his lyricism, because, you know, people swear that Pac wasn't a lyricist. But when you hear him doing his raps a cappella without the beats, like they was even more powerful. Um, let me see. That's pretty much all I had for episode one. But um, let me see. Starting off in episode two, that's when I started noticing more. Uh, that's when I started noticing Alan Hughes trying to put like uh his agenda in place or his ul ulterior motive um and it makes sense because the episode two was entitled changes and he tried to sway it away making it seem as though that tupac started changing when he was famous but like i already said from his family and friends and other people who knew him before he even got his first acting role Pac was all already wild 
when he was uh with Digital Underground, he used to always get in the fights and was always being like immature. He was immature. Like at this time he was in his he was twenty, twenty one. Like his first album didn't even come out yet. And his first album came out when he was twenty one years old. And that's one of the things that I was I kept harping on and I kept having to remind myself doing the the docuseries was that this dude was only when he died he was only three months in of turning 25 years old like as as influential as he was as smart and and talented as he was he was still a kid and I'm 41 right now and me going back thinking about when I was 20, 21, in that range of 20 to 25 years old, like, I was immature as hell. I was wild as hell. I was always getting into some shit, always getting into some fights and stuff like that. Just being stupid. Just straight stupid. Right? And I didn't ha- I wasn't a celebrity. I didn't have all this this weight on my shoulders and stuff like that. I didn't come from a a political or military minded family and stuff like that. So, you know what I'm saying? Just to have all that weight on his shoulders at that young age. And that's something that was highlighted several times throughout the docuseries. It was actually highlighted a lot to the point where I was like, damn, like this dude went through a lot. And, that's another thing, like, when when I think about Pac, I think about, like, this dude was the representative for all black people. Because when you sit down and, and look at Pac's life, from the moment he was a kid all the way to the time that he died, he experienced damn near everything that a black person experienced, every, every aspect of uh, the black American's life. He was, he came from a broken home. His parents, his his parents were in the Black Panther Party. So they were very politically charged and and in the movement, you know what I'm saying? In that movement of the, the civil rights and the progression of black people. Both his parents were drug addicts. He was homeless at one time. As a teenager, he was homeless as a teenager. He was broke. He moved from home to home. He became a celebrity. He had money. Went to jail. Dealt with violence by being shot and stuff like that. Like, he touched every aspect of the black American's life in some aspect outside of being enslaved. Like, he he experienced each and every aspect of the black American's struggle outside of being enslaved physically. He was the black representative of black america and that's that's why a lot like a lot of people 
called him Black Jesus <laughs> because he experienced every aspect of the black person's life. He was the spokesperson of the black person in America. But yeah, back to episode two, which was titled Changes. Um, that's when you started to see um, Alan Hughes putting his agenda or his ulterior motive or the narrative in place. Like it got to the point where he asked Tupac's aunt on his mom's side, Afeni's sister, about Pac having a multiple personality disorder. And Pac's aunt squashed that from jump. She's she said that, you know what I'm saying, Pac didn't deal with no multiple personality disorder. All the stuff that Pac went through in his life, he just straight up had anxiety. You know what I'm saying? He had a lot of anxiety. He didn't know who to trust. And I'll go into it a little bit more later from uh, some of my notes. But that's one of the reasons why, like, I feel as though... I identify with Pac when I first started listening to his music. Like when I first started, um, my first um, when I first stopped being a fan of Tupac was I was shoot I don't know how old I was, but um, it was during uh, when he released his first album. And uh, his first, one of the first music videos he had was uh, When My Homies Call. And I remember me and my brother used to be in a house and that video used to come on and we used to just be like, you know what I'm saying, singing every word to that song or whatever. And I remember um, that's when I became a Pac fan. But when I really got into Pac was when he released the Me Against the World album. That was like one of the first rap albums I ever bought with my own money. I bought the tape, the cassette tape. <laughs> and I used to listen to that joint all the damn time. And when I got like in my 30s, I started realizing that, you know what I'm saying, one of the reasons why I identified with Pac was because, you know, um, me dealing with my depression and anxiety or whatever, I could hear Pac in his like his music and stuff like that. He was depressed. He was ang anxious. He was dealing with anxiety and all of that other stuff. A lot of his songs was talking about death or whatever. You know what I'm saying? As far as I'm, as far as I know, he could have been suicidal at that point. You know what I'm saying? All the stuff that he gone through, like he. He was living in fear. And they talked about that, you know what I'm saying, around the time when he got shot and stuff and when he got um, accused of uh, raping the girl back in 90, 93, 90, 94, in 1994. Um, so he dealt with, like, a lot of anxiety or whatever. And his aunt just straight squashed that. She told, she told Alan Hughes right there directly that, he didn't have no multiple personality disorder disorder. He was young. He was a young dude that was dealing with anxiety. All the stuff that he went through in his life made him anxious. That I mean, shoot. That's why he smoked so much damn weed. 
Like even Snoop talked about how Pac smoked more weed than him. And y'all know how Snoop smoked. Snoop did several interviews where he talked about how Pac would outsmoke him or whatever. And if you if you like pay attention to like footage of Pac, he was a chain smoker as well. Cigarette smoker, chain cigarette smoker. But let me see. Okay, uh, episode two. That's when they started going into the Minister Society stuff that I already talked about. And I wrote down uh, Pac gave the Hughes brothers this start and helped them get the Minister Society movie. Um, and I also wrote down, yeah, the intros and the outros of each episode of the docuseries was really good. Because that's when they uh, highlighted um, him rapping and uh, without the music and acapella and stuff like that um but also in uh episode two they went into more of uh a Feeney's life and um they talked about um who she was in the black panther party who she was you know what i'm saying as a black woman um moving from the south to new york city at the time growing up and stuff and the things that she had to go through when it came to racism and colorism within the black community and they talked about how you know her time in the black panther party and stuff like that how it influenced tupac and um they also talked about the the military minded um role that the black panther party played in their organization and how you know a lot of the uh people that were a part of the the black panther party they came from a military background they served in the united states military and they also discussed how uh the black panther party were targeted by law enforcement particularly fbi and with the cointel pro do you use your googles use your googles um And one of the things that I wrote down was how they talked, how they sh- they they showed an a interview that Tupac did and how he discussed how, no, this was actually a deposition when he was in jail for the uh, alleged sexual assault uh, and how he talked about how the music became the father for a lot of young black males. And he also talked about how he had an identity crisis um, and how he was being spread thin on, you know, the conflicts that, you know, he wanted to save the black community, but also being betrayed by the black community as well. Because one of the things uh, Tupac had a struggle with was, you know, being raised by a black panther mother as well as being around a lot of black panthers his stepfather his his uh, godfather geronimo pratt his stepfather which was matulu shakur his godmother which was asada shakur and a lot of other black panda panther figures is that he never realized that or he never he was naive and gullible with the fact that your own community or people in your community, the black community, 
can turn on you. He felt as though that as long as you're there being a representative for the black community, that they will always be on your side and be loyal to you and protect you. And that's one of the things that he was naive and gullible about. And that's one of the things that he realized and he struggled with after he got robbed and and shot and set up in New York. And that's when he started to have a a lot of conflict and his anger came out even more because he had anger on one side on, you know what I'm saying, how his community was, but then he had anger on the other side on how his community community can actually, you know what I'm saying, betray him. And one of the other notes that I took down that's in relation to that was that, you know what I'm saying, um, people wanted him to be a perfect, quote-unquote, gangster or thug or and or a perfect revolutionary activist like that was the the one of the the battles or the struggles that he was dealing with on one end you know um you everybody is not woke everybody is not enlightened everybody is not mature everybody is not intelligent so you'll have your side of the black community that is 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 for the struggle but then you'll have the other side of the black community that is for the niggerdom <laughs> for the for the the drama the negativity the stupidity the immaturity you know what i'm saying so that's one of the things that he struggled with but also showed his human side in in my in my eyes you know um got to remember like like i said he was in his early 20s and a lot of people failed to realize that and give him that grace that he was trying to find himself as a man as well. You know, although he came up a certain way with this Black Panther mind and his mindset and stuff like that, he was still trying to find out who he was as a man and trying to be true to that but also at the same time trying to be true to the community you know so this docuseries definitely showed the struggle that he was dealing with as far as trying to be who he truly was but also trying to save everybody because that's what he was doing. He was trying to save everybody, but at the same time, he had certain factions or sections or different people that were using him for his celebrity, using him for his money, using him for his fame. And there were people that, you know what I'm saying, that was just there to just be like, okay, this is who he he should be. So he struggled with that. Um, they they had a few moments throughout the docuseries where um, they interviewed Mike Tyson, and him and Mike Tyson was real good friends. Um, and Mike Tyson said, 
Um, Mike Tyson said he was too intelligent to be acting the way he was. He was he was really angry. You know what I'm saying? He was real. And he was he, he was too smart to be being as immature as he was at times. And this is coming from Mike Tyson. And y'all know how Mike Tyson got down in his life. And Mike Tyson talked about, like, you know, um, his life and Tupac's life and how there were a lot of differences between them two. You know, Pac came from that Black Panther background, that activist background and stuff like that. And Mike was like, you know what I'm saying, although we both did immature things, I came from a way much more of a gutter background than Pac did. I understood what Tyson was saying, but I kind of disagree with it for the simple fact that they both came from some tough-ass backgrounds, you know what I'm saying? Even even though Pac had that that activist background with his parents and the other people that was around in the Black Panther Party and stuff like that, Pac was alone a lot, you know what I'm saying? He was left alone a lot, you know what I'm saying, with his mother dealing with her addiction, his stepfather, Matulu Shakur, being in jail, other Black Panthers being on the run, Asada Shakur, Geronimo Pratt, and all them being in jail and stuff like that. Pac, was, Pac had to find his way by himself a lot. And I'm, I'm going to jump ahead but from my notes, but that's why he didn't necessarily listen to, to people because – he was he had to deal with abandonment so much throughout his life with important figures in his life. And he had to figure out stuff on his own. Pac became famous on his own. Like he his rapping, all that other stuff, he did that on his own, like his work ethic, his discipline, his persistence, consistency and all that other stuff. He did that on his own. Like, his mom was full-blown crack addict at that point and all that other stuff. Although she gave him a lot of guidance at certain points in his life, there was a big disconnect between them. And we ain't even got on his real dad yet, which I will get to. But, um, and shoot, speaking of discipline, doing one of Pac's interviews before he passed, and he said this, this is, quote, what he said. He said, I hate saying this because I know um, white people love to hear this. But if I had my dad in my life, or if black people, if black boys, black men had their dads in their lives, they would have more discipline. And, and he is right. Like, as a black man, you learn your discipline from your father. And speaking from um, speaking as a black man who had my dad physically there, but not emotionally and mentally. And and when I say physically, I'm saying he was there in the household, but he wasn't there in my life physically. I know my lack of discipline or my struggles with discipline throughout my life came from not having that 
presence or those lessons of discipline from my dad, you know what I'm saying, contributed to the struggles that I have with discipline to this day. Although I've learned a lot from my dad just by watching, but you know what I'm saying, that hands-on presence is key. But uh, let me let me see. Um, moving on to episode three. Episode three, they start going into the rape charges and everything that was surrounding that, how all that stuff happened, how he was hanging with the dude who he ultimately feels set him up, and that guy being Haitian Jack. And let me say this, because now one time has Pac ever said that Biggie set him up for getting raw. Pac said, and he said this multiple times, that Biggie knew and that Biggie didn't warn him. So this is why I talk about when we come to narratives and stuff like that. It's always these narratives and people who fail to want to do their own critical thinking or their own research or their own listening and reading or whatever. They just run with a narrative. You know what I'm saying? They, it's, it's easy to be a follower. It's easy to be a hater. But in episode three, they start going into um, – Pac's real father um, and Pac's real father and Afeni's, his mom, relationship and talking about like why did Afeni lie about Tupac's real dad being dead and stuff like that, you know. And one of the things that even though this this docuseries was solely was not not going to say solely, but it was focused on Afeni, Pac's mom. It wasn't all peaches and cream when they were talking about Pac's mom. And this is one of the things that is not discussed enough, I believe. And it's not to talk down on Pac's mom or anything like that, but she wasn't perfect. She did a lot of things that affected Pac in a bad way about the lying about Pac's dad and where he was, who he was, who he was, um, her dealing with her drug addiction and stuff like that. And one of the things that isn't highlighted about Pac's life and his relationship with his mom was that Pac had a, a real problem with a lot of the things that his mom did throughout his life when it came to his dad and her addiction and stuff like that so they talked about how they would have a lot of they they had a lot of arguments and stuff like that you know and i mean shit he talked about it in the dear mama song to a degree but um even uh pop a sister talked about it in the docuseries that she don't know why Afeni lied. Um, she don't know what the reason was and stuff like that. She just know that it happened, you know. Um, Pac's mom dated a, multiple dudes around the time that Pac was born or conceived that 
She don't know if she was actually being truthful about not knowing who Pac's father was or that she was mad about or she had some sort of disconnect with Pac's real dad to the point where she decided to say that he was dead and stuff like that. And what's interesting is that Pac's real dad was interviewed for this docuseries, but it was very short and small. Like, they didn't give him a lot of time, which was weird. Um, But it made sense based off of the narrative that was trying to be pushed or whatever. But his his dad has been coming out lately. His real father's been coming out lately and doing interviews and being very blunt about the situation, his his shortcomings of being a father to Tupac because he was addicted to drugs and stuff like that, being part of the Black Panther Party and then the downfall from it and how a lot of the Black Panther members dealt with addictions because of you know what I'm saying? All the stuff that happened within with the downfall of the party um, when it came to the coin sale pro and just people with egos and stuff like that and and all the stuff that they went through when it came to um, dealing with law enforcement and stuff like that. But they gave in, in the. In episode three, they gave a good background on Afeni and her trial, the Panther 21 trial, and her position in the Black Panther Party and um, how she represented herself during the Black the Panther 21 trial and stuff like that. And how they, they definitely highlighted how much of a fighter she was. So in turn, that's where you that's where you will see that's where Pac got him being a fighter for himself and for his for his people, meaning the black community and stuff. That's where he got it from. In the midst of this episode, they started going back to um, how anxious Pac was. And um, they they talked about how he just could not be still like he could not be still. And that short, sort of speaks to his work ethic and a lot of the music that he made about, you know, what I'm saying uh fearing death and dying and stuff like that and feeling as though he gotta do he gotta um do this many amount of songs and this time period and all that other stuff and that contributed in my eyes and other people's as well that talked about it his work ethic you know um he was he was dealing he was he was a functional anxious person you know what i'm saying like i talked about that on several episodes before how you know what i'm saying there's function there's functional people functional depressed people out out here functional anxious people out here you could be dealing with anxiety and depression and stuff like that but you're highly functional like to the point where you're you're always trying to prove something or you're always trying to get something done or whatever because you don't want to just sit down and deal with everything that's going around going on with you. You don't want to heal, you don't want to deal with your traumas and stuff like that. You have your extreme highs and you have your extreme lows. And Pac was an extremely highly functional, depressed, anxious person in my eyes. But episode three, they start talking about the rape charges and then the shooting as well, because that happened 
the same that was the same time period. The shooting and the the rape charges were the same time period. And then that's another time where you start seeing um Alan Hughes trying to push a narrative about Tupac cuz there's always been this this narrative out there that Tupac actually shot himself in the nuts or whatever. But that's been disproven based off of the fact of his medical records and stuff like that. But you know, that's why I talk about with people actually being a critical thinker, not being a hater, but being a follower and stuff like that and following narratives and stuff. It's easy to follow that because you ain't got to do no research or you ain't or you just so much in your hate and your dislike for a person for whatever reason that is, whether it's, in, it's internal and you projecting or whatever. But that narrative has been disproven. <laughs> but um, what else? Yeah, they correlated events in Pac, Pac's and the Feeney's life based off of the trials that they, the the biggest trials they were going through in their life. Because even before this rape trial that Pac went through, he was going to court all the time because he was getting into stuff. But they focused on the rape trial, Tupac's rape trial, and the Feeney's Panther 21 trial, and they correlated some of the similarities between the two trials. And what was interesting was, and I didn't even know this, was that both of their trials was in the same courthouse in New York City. But they did a correlation between how they both um, were experiencing these events in their lives these 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 life-altering events in their lives and uh some of the things that were similar in their trials as far as when they were actually speaking for themselves in the trial and stuff like that um one of the things that they also correlated between Afeni and Tupac was um during the Panther 21 trial, Afeni felt betrayed by some of the other Panthers in the Black Panther Party because they went underground without telling her. So they left her by herself going through this trial by herself, and they just fled and went underground. and was nowhere to be found. And she ended up having her bail being revoked and having to go to jail and that's when she was actually in jail while being pregnant with Tupac. Then they also talked about, you know, the correlations between um, the the divide between the the Black Panther parties on the East Coast and the West Coast and Tupac representing, quote unquote, representing the West Coast and his quote-unquote beef with the east coast and how cointel pro the fbi and their cointel pro um used the divide and conquer tactic and they they put certain people in place and within the black panther party and it's been suggested it was suggested in the docuseries but also i've read plenty of uh books and articles that also suggested that certain people were put into place within this East Coast, West Coast beef to amplify it and 
caused the the quote unquote beef between the Panther the two Panther parties and Pac and Biggie in the West Coast and the East Coast. Um they also highlighted how Cointel Pro used some of the similar tactics in this d- divide and conquer strategy within the Panther Party, how how it was very how some of these tactics were very similar to things that went on during this quote unquote East Coast West Coast beef. But going back to the betrayal part, they correlated how Afeni felt betrayed by certain members of the Black Panther Party and how Pac felt betrayed by some of his friends as well, which were Biggie and some of his other friends that were in um that he were that he was affiliated with during the time of his trial and his shooting which like i said was around the same time but uh moving on to episode four i forgot what episode three was titled i can't remember i mean watch it and you'll find out but episode four was titled ambitions as a rider and episode four focused on him, his period while he was in jail, and the period when he got out of jail. So some of the notes that I had was um, when he was doing his deposition in jail, uh, he said, this is one of the things he said. And when he said it, and this is the first time I, I ever heard him say this part of the deposition i seen certain clips of the deposition but i never heard him say this but when he said it this was a thought that i it was funny because it was a thought that i already had even before i heard him say it he said it's safer to to be negative it's safer to live a negative lifestyle in the black community and what was funny was although what i thought before i heard this wasn't verbatim or wasn't 100% the same before I heard him say this like I used to have thoughts when I was thinking about uh, when I was when I would go back and think about you know me dealing with depression and anxiety and stuff like that and 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 what all that stuff entails from a negative mindset I used to always think like it's easier it's just easier to be depressed. It's easier to be anxious. It's easier to have a negative mindset about life. But naturally, I'm a positive person. Like naturally, I am a positive person. But when you get when you get down in that in that space in that hole, and you live there for a while, like. It is much easier, <coughs> excuse me, it is much easier just to be negative. It is much easier just to live in that hole because you don't know anything different or, or you so far removed from the opposite that it's easier to just live there than to change your mindset or change your environment 
or whatever, because that's all you know or that's all you're used to. So I thought that that I thought that was real interesting because like before I started going to therapy and even like during the first couple of years that I was in therapy, like I used to think like the first couple of years at therapy, like, man, this is it's just easier just to just stay where I'm at. It's just easy just to be depressed and negative and stuff like that because I was I got comfortable there. I got comfortable being angry. I got comfortable being negative. I got comfortable starting fights in the street. I got comfortable, you know what I'm saying, putting myself in compromising situations. I got comfortable um I got comfortable um I'm trying to think of the word. I'm trying to think of the word. Damn, I can't believe I'm. I got comfortable just being in a space of coping. I got comfortable just coping. You know what I'm saying? I got I got comfortable using certain things in life to be a coping mechanism, whether it was alcohol, um, eating stuff like that you know what i'm saying or putting myself down or not believing in myself you know what i'm saying it's easier you know what i'm saying it just got easier using those coping mechanisms to stay in that place you know what i'm saying it was almost like without me even taking an actual drug that was my drug using those coping mechanisms you know what i'm saying but um back to the episode four He also said that, you know what I'm saying, and going back to him saying that it's safer to live a negative lifestyle, have a negative mindset and stuff like that. He also said that, you know what I'm saying, the community, meaning the black community, don't support you when you step out. You know what I'm saying? They'll support you with the negative shit, but they're not going to support you when when, when you're stepping out trying to be positive. And... It it took me back to something that Pac said, not in the docuseries, but something I, I heard him say when he talked about um, some of the things that he will rap about. Um, this is not verbatim, but he basically was said that, you know what I'm saying, he would use some of the stuff that he would rap about, the negative stuff that he would rap about would be to pull pull a certain group in. Meaning, you know what I'm saying, people with a negative mindset and stuff like that. You pull them in. You rap about that stuff to pull them in so you can have a chance to change them with the other message, the other songs or messages that he will put out there. So episode four, like I said, um, it was talking about him uh, in jail and getting out of jail, which mean that he was. They talked about him signing with Death Row Records and stuff like that. And one of the things that I always understood, and this is with me not even ever being in jail in my life, who the fuck wants to sit in jail? So, you know what I'm saying? It made sense to him even, and it made sense to other people that that knew him and that was in his circle and that had conversations with him during this time. They knew that Death Row wasn't, 
the place that he should have signed to because he didn't need death row. Pac was a star before death row. That's another narrative that people like to push out there that Pac became a bigger star before death row. Pac was a way, Pac was a star before death row. He didn't need death row, but um, he didn't want to be in jail no more. So that was his way of getting out. And one of the other things that I, that I learned over the past few years was that he was never even signed to death row. Because Death Row was under Interscope Records. Pac was already signed to Interscope Records. Interscope Records didn't want to bail Pac out because they didn't want to have to deal with none of the stuff with the trial and stuff like that. So with Death Row already being under Interscope, um, they allowed Suge to basically be his manager or his, his, uh, his, um, chaperone because Pac was actually bailed out with his own money his own money being his royalties and the stuff that was already coming from Interscope Records so he wasn't necessarily signed to Death Row his contract with was De with Death Row was a managerial chaperone type contract because he was already signed to Interscope Records and Interscope Records Death Row was under Interscope Records. So this is like, this is the stuff where I talk about where like people, information being wrong and people just following narratives and stuff like that. His contract was for a three album deal. That's why his first album was a double CD. That counted as two. His his last album that, the Machiavelli album that came out right after he died was his his obligation the end of his obligation to death row records he was already in the midst of starting his other label because before before um he even had his his uh contract with death row he already had another label that he had a production um contract or whatever and I forgot the name of the uh, the record company that he had, but he was starting a new one right in the midst of him leaving Death Row. He was already in the midst of leaving Death Row. That was if if you actually pay attention to all the things that he said and all the things that other people said that were around during that time. He knew what his role was with Death Row. That was just to get him out of jail, and he was wanted to do his own thing already you know he already had his plan in place that's one of the things that they kept talking about during the docuseries how Pac was a planner he had a plan for everything so I think just by being a fan of Pac as long as I have and seen a lot of the documentaries and stuff like that interviews and stuff Pac was an overly loyal person he was loyal to a fault and in this moment in time where he was with death row and stuff like that and this is even his like friends family members and uh, associates talked about this during a docuseries or whatever about how Pac was he never had really anybody in his life that was a that was consistent that had consistently had his back so 
And that's why he was loyal to a fault to Suge because Suge came at a time where he was his, where Pac was his most vulnerable. And you think about a dude 24 years old at that time, you know what I'm saying, in that vulnerable position where you don't know who to trust and all that other stuff. You're going to be loyal as hell to somebody who who came and got you out of jail and and surrounded you with everything that you wanted, cars, houses, and all that other stuff. And this is why I don't understand how people always talk about this death row period as though that Pac was different or whatever. This is like the same Pac to me, like the same angry dude or whatever, <laughs> the same hyper-ass dude or whatever. And another thing I, that boggles my mind with the hating and the narratives and the agendas or whatever, that people act like they never gone through life before, that you go through life and certain moments in your life change you and make you be more defensive, make you be more um, angry, make you not trust people more and stuff like that. Like, it makes total sense to me. I've gone through plenty of situations in my life where I felt abandoned, rejected, betrayed, and all that other stuff. And that changed me as a person. You know, that make that made me more defensive, that made me more cautious and stuff like that. Made me angry, you know what I'm saying? So I don't get it. Like it just it just boggles my mind how people just just be so caught up into their hate and narratives and stuff like that. Like, as much as a Pac fan I am, I'm a fan of Biggie. I'm not as a, much of a Biggie fan as I am a Pac fan. But you you see, like, outside of this docuseries, there are people still doing interviews to this day that were around during that time. You know what I'm saying? That new Big, the new Pac and stuff like that. That still have animosity towards Pac and Big blaming them for this situation and stuff like that mostly people blaming pop and i'm just like dude this has been like 30 years and you haven't gotten over it yet like <laughs> i just like bruh like come on you, you you got some stuff to work out if you still harping on stuff that happened 30 years ago and you you had a chance to become a grown man and you still haven't learned to give somebody grace or have forgiveness or just to understand or have understanding of knowing that being 20 years old you're still a kid and that as you grow you're going to mature or you should mature but uh back to episode four um yeah and just talking about um Pac-Man lawyer and stuff like that uh, Suge was older than Pac and Suge was the if if you just pay attention and you hear stories about Suge, Suge was the master manipulator. Suge definitely uh, took advantage of the situation and manipulated the situation in Pac and in um, certain aspects. Um, just watching the docu series and hearing certain things and stuff like that, you can tell Pac felt obligated, and this is this is throughout his life. He felt obligated to everybody. He felt as though he had to save the black community. He had to take care of his family members. He had to take care of his mom, get her right. He had to take care of his friends, his homeboys. 
you know what I'm saying? He had to take care of the people who, quote unquote, had his back. He felt obligated in many different directions to the point where he was spread thin, that he couldn't really focus on himself. But yeah, um, I already talked about this a little earlier, but just going back to the notes because I know I got ahead. But just the part about when I when I talked about how they they say that Pac wouldn't listen to nobody. Like his family used to go to like Shock G and certain other people and be like, talk to Pac. He'll listen to you and all that other stuff. And they would say, oh, no, Pac wouldn't listen to me and all that other stuff. But based off of how they showed Pac's life and stuff like that. They basically showed you why he wouldn't listen to nobody. Like I already said, nobody was consistently there. So why would he listen to people? Why would he listen to anybody who would pop in and out of his life or would be there for a moment, betray him and try to come back and stuff like that? Like he, he pretty much, if you, if you want to look at it from, um, a materialistic aspect of uh, or superficial aspect of success he did it on his own so why was he listening to people but they also talked about a lot in this episode how stressed and exhausted he was and um one of the outlaws he talked about how you know in hindsight that he wished that Pac would have just took a break you know like it took a year off and stuff like that but even before I started recording and I was listening to like some some pop music and stuff like that for for my pregame, I was sitting there just thinking like Pac probably could have been suicidal. Like cuz they talked a lot about how he just he he never saw himself being old. Being you know what I'm saying, becoming an older man, having a family, having kids and stuff like that. Like he was so stuck in that mindset that of you know what I'm saying that he wasn't going to make it or he didn't have long or whatever and me being the person that looks at the manifestation that you can actually manifest certain things in your life if you focus on it too much the you know what I'm saying the law of, of attraction and all that other stuff like that that he manifested that he manifested his his downfall so to speak you know what I'm saying? As well as his 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 superficial success, he manifested that. He also manifested his downfall. You know what I'm saying? And that's why I started thinking like he probably was suicidal. But it makes sense though, because he like he had several songs where he he talked about, you know what I'm saying, stuff like that. You know, one of the controversies around um one of the reasons why he was angry at Biggie was the fact that he felt as though Big stole his style and that style being that that uh, making music about death and all that other stuff. And he changed his whole Me Against the World album um, because of that. You know, um, if one of the albums that came out after he died, Are You Still Down, a lot of the songs that he recorded during that time period was suicidal type stuff and he scrapped all of that and then made the me against the world album but um yeah also the notes i already said this he was loyal to a fault because um he never had 
a consistent person being in his life to have his back and stuff like that. Um, yeah. So episode five was titled Until the End of Time. And, you know, Alan Hughes still tried to put some 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 wrong ass narratives and and shit up in a talking about Pac was scared of Suge. And then it was people that that knew Pac came out and was like, and and this was even before the docuseries, like that narrative been pushed out there. And and they talked about how Pac used to always um, go at Suge and stuff like that. And it's just, it's just like, I just don't get it, man. But you know what I'm saying? It is what it is. I know people be hating. Everybody ain't going to like you and all this other stuff. But I didn't really take that, that, that many notes honestly i ain't take no notes for the last episode the last episode i just sat there and kind of took it in because they start you know what i'm saying going into um the vegas incident and when he got shot and um his death and stuff like that so i didn't really take no notes i just kind of took it in um but like i say overall the series i felt as though that the docuseries was good and um if you haven't seen it already, um, watch it. It's on Hulu, um, all five episodes. And um, also the the interviews that his, his biological father has been doing, that that's on YouTube right now. It's um, on the The Art of Dialogue YouTube page. The Art of Dialogue YouTube page. And it's, it's sad that, you know what I'm saying, it's like this. Um, but Pac's dad is, 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 uh, doing the interviews and he's telling his side of the story and his, his shortcomings of being a dad, which I really respect. And that's how, like watching some of these, these clips, um, from the interview that he did, I feel as though that he's very genuine because he's actually being very blunt about what he should have did and what he could have did more of and stuff like that. But I feel it's important um, that he's doing this interview because he's telling his side of the story. And like, you know what I'm saying? Like I already said in the beginning, um, Afeni, Pac's mother, had her issues and her her shortcomings as well as a, as a mom to Pac or whatever. She was going, she was having her internal struggles as, as an individual and that affected her as a parent. And that's one of the things that, I've come to learn so much since I've gone to therapy and stuff like that. And and one of the things I, I learned, you know what I'm saying, me being a, a a kid and going back and remembering certain moments um about my parents and stuff like that, that um I had to learn that, you know, at that point in time that I was a kid when a, when a lot of my foundation was supposed to be built. My parents were dealing with their own internal struggles and their struggles together as a couple, you know, as partners being in a relationship together, that it affected me and my foundation and which, you know, um, led to my depression and anxiety. And a lot of the stuff is um, is eye opening. You know, um, I said to myself that, you know, what I'm saying I was a kid at the wrong time in my parents life because they were going through their stuff and they couldn't be there for me. And, you know, it's it's a sad situation, but 
it is something that made me who I am today. Um, and I'm sure that's for everybody that is listening to this pod, everybody who's walking this earth or whatever. In certain moments in time of our parents' lives that it wasn't a good time for us to be a a kid <laughs> in our parents' lives or our parents wasn't fully there or could be there for us when we needed them the most. But this is the end of the episode. This is my Dear Mama docuseries review. Um, shout out to all the Spotify listeners, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, Amazon Music, all my YouTubers. Shout out to all my new subscribers, all my new listeners. I seen you. I appreciate you. Keep listening, um, liking, downloading, sharing, all that good stuff. Um, yeah. Uh, this is episode 97. Episode 98 will be coming to you quicker than normally. I will be having, I will be recording episode 98 in a in a few days. Um, and then episode 99 and yes, episode 100. Episode 100 is in the planning phases. The planning is going good so far. I mean, it is pretty much the... The planning for episode 100 is uh, pretty much done. Um, I'm excited about it. Um, I hope, you know, everything works out perfectly the way that I envision it. But um, either way, it's going to happen. And, you know, I hope you enjoy it as well. I'm Derek Silver. I'm your host. This is a Taste to Consider podcast. I never, I never officially introduce the show so i'm gonna do it before <laughs> before i log off yes it's a taste to consider podcast i'm your host Dirk silver and i'm out